you for your word speak to us may it not be of the letter but of the holy spirit in jesus name amen we may take our seats in the presence of the lord as we continue to hear from the lord jesus christ as i begin i continue to hear and and you continue to hear about what it means to be born again. What does it mean to be born again? What does it mean to be born again?
What does it mean? Hallelujah. Let's look at our key text. But before we doing that, let's just go through and 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 have a quick recap. Look at Genesis chapter five, verse three. Bible says. And Adam lived an hundred and thirty years and begat sons, uh, a son, sorry, and begat a son in his own image. Oh, sorry, let me start again. And Adam lived an hundred and thirty years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. Now, we all know about Cain, Abel. Abel died. Cain went away. and was a vagabond. And then we had Seth. And everyone, at least those who study the Bible, know that Seth is the godly line. Hallelujah. And yet, Seth was not created in the likeness an image of God, but in the image and likeness of Adam. And Adam had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Hallelujah. And then Romans chapter 5. Is this the one? Only the effects. Romans chapter 5. Can I have my please? Romans chapter 5. Let's start from verse 12. Romans 5, 12. Hallelujah. Romans 5, 12. Wherefore, as by one man, sin and into the world and death by sin and so death passed unto all all men for that all have sinned for until the law sin was in the world but sin is not imputed when there is no law so because of one man's sin Adam's sin death entered into the whole world and and it entered into the whole world by sin. And so death passed unto all men for that all have sinned. For until the law, you can't punish someone when there is no law. But even with that, death still reigned. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Even over them that had not sinned by an explicit command. So even though he's saying after the similitude of Adam's transgression, Adam disobeyed as an explicit command. But when you and I had the sin nature, we didn't per se sin after a specific command, but we were born with the sin nature and we sin. How many are getting me? And not as it was by one, not as it was by one that sinned. So is the free, let me start again. And not as it was by one that sinned. So is the gift. 
For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. Because of one man's sin, there was judgment. But because of one man's obedience to Jesus Christ, many were justified, even though they were offenders. For if by one man's sin or offense, death reigned by one. So because of one man's sin, Adam's sin, death reigned. Death, the entity reigned in the lives of people, controlled people, destroyed people, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. So what the Bible is saying that if death was able to reign because of one man's sin, how much more God himself who obeyed will many, many people be made righteous because of the free gift he gave them. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. I don't know if you got that. One man sinned, many, the whole world was, became a sinners. But by one man also, because there was the first Adam, Adam, and the second Adam, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the second Adam. Because Adam lost the authority, and there needed to be another Adam to come and regain the authority. Hallelujah. But that's not the subject matter uh, 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 for today. For us by one man's obedience. Okay, now verse 20. Moreover, the law entered. I read this from NLT. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. So the law was given to prove that we were sinful. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God or righteousness and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we talked about the fact that we're all born into sin and we were children of Adam. So you, you and I and all unbelievers, all unbelievers are children of Adam. We are created in the likeness and image of Adam. You and I at a point were created in the image of Adam and the likeness of Adam and we were not children of God but children of Adam. So the angels used to call Christians, these are children of Adam. The, Christ, the angels call unbelievers children of Adam. Hallelujah. What do you think? Don't worry, I have verses for that. Don't just make statements. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, this is just a quick recap. Now, Ephesians 4.24. And that ye put on the new man. 
So there is a new man which has been put on or which has been given to, to people because of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, uh, 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 once you get it ready, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. For if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. He is a brand new person. He is a new creation, a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So Ephesians 4.24 says, And that he put on the new man. The new man which is already in you. You put it on. You make a conscious effort to live the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness Amplified says it in another way and put on the new self the regenerated and renewed nature Created in God's image. Did you get that? Not Adam's image anymore. God-like in the righteousness and holiness of the truth. Living in a way that expresses to God your gratitude for your salvation. Did you get that? So there is now a new man. Which has now been put in the person. The inward man, the cryptos man, the hidden man of the heart. So the Bible is saying that you and I were children of Adam, born into this world, and were children of sin. Because Adam sinned, and his descendants followed that sin nature. What is in a person? Even now, many diseases or many characteristics of parents, the children get. So if there's a sin nature, that's why there are even certain sins that fathers or mothers did easily. The children sometimes can easily start doing those things. If a father loved women or fornication, the children can easily start liking that. If the father had certain spiritual issues, certain spirits that follow them, sometimes it can go down to the children. Hallelujah. So Adam's sin passed onto all people and all became sinners. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible also says that there is none righteous. No, not even one. Then we became born again Christians, which we'll talk about. This is just a recap. And when we became born again Christians, Holy Spirit took our heart of stone, of sin, removed it, and then put in a brand new nature. And this nature is created after God in righteousness and true holiness. This new nature is now, like the Amplified says, Ephesians 4.24, it's now Created in God's image, God-like, in the right, he gave the right to become children of God. 
or in King James, it says, but as many as received him, who, the word, as many as received the word who became flesh, Jesus Christ, as many as received him, to them gave he power or the privilege or the right to become sons or children of God. So before then, they were not children of God until they believed. Then that right or privilege to become a child of God was given to them. Even to them that believe on his name. Verse 13. Which were born not of blood. Because the one who is a child of God is not born of flesh and blood. Because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. So the Bible is saying that which were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh, like all human beings are born. All human beings are born flesh and blood. All human beings are born of flesh. So the Bible is saying that those who are now children of God were not born of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt or tabernacled among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It's it's just a lot, so we just have to find our way way through without going into all the different branches. Now, let's look at a few verses. Now, we were adopted. Look at Ephesians 1, 5. Ephesians 1.5 says, Having predestinated us unto what? The adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Look at it in NLT. Are you getting me? So this, these verses, there are many of them, but I'll just give me about two or three, which show that we're adopted. The world, the world is not, the, 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 the unbeliever is not a child of God. The unbeliever is a child of Adam, a descendant of Adam. We are children of God by adoption. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him great pleasure. What do you think? Let's skip a few. Galatians 3, 26. So you are all children of God through. Through. Did you get that? You are, you, we are now children of God through faith in Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. So anyone who does not have faith in Jesus Christ is not a child of God. Pretty clear. If I have time, I, I told you I, I'll talk to you about two, two questions. Why should a loving God send people to hell? And most of all, what happens to those who have not heard the gospel before? These are all important. Hallelujah. Let's move on. So we talked about all that. Now, we talked about the fact that we're redeemed. Now, Jesus explains why we must be born again. We talked about that. That's a quick recap. John 3, 3 to 7. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, unto him, 
Nicodemus, very, very soon to thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter, 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 enter into the kingdom of God. Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. So the Bible is saying we were born into this world. Into this sinful world. And we're alive in this world. And then the Bible says that we had to die in this world. And then be reborn in another world. And that new world is the kingdom of God. So we had to die on earth. We had to die on earth. That's what the Bible says. How can you who are dead to this world live in this world or live to sin? To sin? If you are dead to sin, how can you live? How many are getting what I'm saying? So we needed to die to this world, be reborn into the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus said, marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. You were born into this world, and now you have to be reborn into the kingdom of heaven. But for ye are dead, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So we are supposed to be dead. You are supposed to be dead. I'm supposed to be dead on earth, but alive in God's kingdom. I am crucified with Christ, Galatians 3.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet, not I. This is very important. I am crucified with Christ. Even though I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless, so I am crucified with Christ. Even though I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I am still alive. But yet not I, but Christ living in me. And the life that I now live by faith, I live, so the, now that, the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave his life for me. I don't know if you are getting it. Look at it in NLT. So we are supposed to be dead, but we are alive. Many Christians are more alive on earth than in the kingdom of heaven. Am I preaching to somebody? I myself no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So I live my life in the, this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. And we talked about, we gave examples about what it means to be born of water. Look at Mark 16, 16. This is another verse that, uh, uh, when you are born of water, it means you are born of the word of God, not baptism. If, you are, if it's by baptism, then Jesus broke that rule for the thief on the cross. Now, Mark 16, 16 is also an interesting verse. He that believeth and is baptized. So, believe and be baptized. Because baptism is an outward symbol of what has happened in the inside. It is to fulfill all righteousness. We are to be baptized. That's why anyone who's not baptized will baptize you. You are not going to wait for anything. We'll baptize you. 
I, 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 my pastor called me John the Baptist. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I like baptizing people, so we'll, we'll baptize very soon. <laughs> I like to baptize because small time, we'll baptize. Because you believe that we're baptized. Very important. Hallelujah. He that believeth and is baptized will be saved. But the one who is damned, there's no mention of baptism. He didn't say he that believeth not, or he that believeth not and is not baptized shall be damned. He says the one who does not believe is damned. So you are supposed to believe and be baptized. That's the rule. And you'll be saved. But if you give your life to Christ and die before baptism, then you will not be damned because baptism is not in the second part. What do you think? You can put your hands together for the Lord. It's not in the second part. And, also, and that's why the thief on the cross could go to heaven. Today, you and I will be in paradise when he was not baptized. And I gave you examples in the Bible which shows that being a, a, a born of the water Sorry, being born of the word. He, uh, uh, what, what am I even talking about? Being born of water and of the spirit. Being born of water is being born of the word. The regeneration of the washing of water by the word of God. Hallelujah. So last week's message, you can go into that uh, to get understanding on that. Praise the Lord. And we also talked about the fact that Colossians 1.13 says, For we have been translated or transferred from the domain. What is a domain in math? Domain is a, a, a boundary, a, a region. Anything in that, inside that box, the domain of this hall. Anything in this hall is in the domain of the hall. So the Bible is saying, look at it in NLT, that we're in the domain of darkness. And we're transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of Christ Jesus when we're born again. For he rescued us from the one who rules in the kingdom of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of his dear son, ESV. ESV. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, or the son of his love, N-A-S-B. Well, yeah. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So we were in one kingdom and have been transferred into another kingdom. So, you and I must realize that being born again is very important. Marvel not, because flesh and blood, did I give you that verse? Flesh and blood cannot, look at 1 Corinthians 15, 50. So that we know automatically that flesh and blood will not go to heaven. So, that's why we have to be born again. Because there's no, nothing that defileth in heaven. Our flesh is bad. Am I preaching to somebody? Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot, cannot, impossible, thank you, inherit the kingdom of God, neither that corruption inherit incorruption. Look at it in uh, uh, and, uh, Amplified. Amplified. 
But I tell you this, brethren, flesh and blood cannot become partakers of eternal salvation and inherit or share in the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable that which is decaying inherit or share in the imperishable, the immortal. You see, Amplified is similar to the King James and NA, no, especially the NESB and ESV, but it just gives you parentheses to explain it, whilst the other versions just explain it. But Amplified put into brackets, this was not in the manuscripts, but this is what I'm saying to explain it. Because NESB is the most accurate translation. ES, uh, King James and ESV are all, ESV and, uh, and NESB are similar. But Amplified is also accurate translation, word for word translation, but the bracket. That's why sometimes the Amplified is sometimes similar to the hard reading, but the brackets make it uh, easier to understand word for word or interpretive. Interlinear is just Greek direct translation. So that one, you won't understand it. Yes, because, it, because sometimes the way the sentence is, uh, uh, for God so loved the world is, for God so loved, I mean, it, 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 it's how the Greek is written, so you will not be able to read it. Maybe another time I'll give you another, exp uh, I'll explain it to you. Let me see if I can even get that. Let me look at John 3.16, interlinear. It's good to have the interlinear Bible. Let me see if I can get it, if it's not going to waste time. John 3.16 says, Thus for loved, God the world that the Son, the only begotten, he gave, so that everyone believing in him not should perish, but should have life eternal. That's interlinear. It's, it's exact translation. A is A, B is B. <laughs> but there's a, there's a way to transpose the Greek into English. And that's what NESB and others have done. But interlinear is exact word for word. But in the, the, there's a sentence structure and there, there are rules for translations and interlinear doesn't follow those rules. It just gives it as it is. There are, there's also a place for interlinear. Hallelujah. And then we talked about the fact that the soul also needs salvation. James 1.22, 21, sorry. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Look at it in Amplified. What do you think? Which is able to save your souls. So get rid of all uncleanness and the rampant over outgrowth of wickedness and in a humble, gentle, modest spirit receive and welcome the word which implanted and rooted in your hearts contains the power to save your souls. But he was writing to Christians. So the spirit is saved. Man is a spirit, has a soul, lives in a body. Look at uh, Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. The word of God is quick or alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of what? Soul and spirit. 
So it means that they are different, but it's only the word of God that can separate it. Because the soul and the spirit usually are the same. Sometimes it's interchangeable in certain verses. And of the joints and the marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So man is a spirit, has a soul, lives in a body. So it means that the spirit is saved, brand new. We read from Ezekiel. Brand new. But the soul, the mind, if you think about it, when we were born again, the, we, our thoughts were still the same. It was when we heard the word of God that we would say, no, the Bible says this, let me remove this. The Bible says this, let me remove this. The Bible says this, let me remove it. And we started to remove certain ideas and thought processes in our minds because we heard it in a, a Bible or in, in, in church or we read it in a Bible. And we started to remove those things. And that is saving the soul. The flesh will not be saved. The flesh would remain on earth. The flesh, when you read Romans chapter 8, Romans 6 and 8, 7, 8, especially eight, uh, 7, it, it, it explains that what I want to do, I don't, I'm not able to do the flesh. But what I don't want to do, my flesh is doing it. So there is a law in me, a war, that what I want to do, when I want to do good, evil is present with me, the flesh. But thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So there's the, the flesh would, that's why the flesh, will not, flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And that's why the flesh will remain on earth and we will receive glorified bodies. Bodies that cannot die. Bodies that cannot sin. And I believe that those bodies are the Adamic bodies, how Adam was before the fall. How many can name all the animals? How many can have dominion? Adam couldn't die. You can, I mean, he couldn't die. He, almost like more than Superman. At least kryptonite can kill Superman. But Adam, there was nothing that can, could kill him before the fall. Apart from God. Nothing could kill him. He, he, Superman at least has some weakness. Krypton would deal with him. Even Krypton, a young boy can kill him. When he, there's Krypton... It's tied around his neck. That's why Batman could even dare. <laughs> Batman is small fry. How can Batman kill Superman? But with Krypton, even a young boy can kill him. But Adam, there was no, there was no vulnerability. Jesus Christ, in his glorified body, he was able to go through, he was entering into higher dimensions. Tend to, he, I mean, to pass through a wall or to appear in physical body. He was not spirit. He was able to walk through a wall in physical body. Not that he turned into spirit and passed through the wall and became flesh. No. He was operating in dimensions, and the dimensions he was operating in, he could eat an orange from the inside out. Yeah. Yeah. Because we have three dimensions, there's four, there's five, there's six, there's seven, there are higher dimensions. The spirit realm is at another dimension. That's why we cannot see it. But if we are out of our spirit, we'll be able to see it. Oh, sorry, if you are out of our bodies, we'll be able to see it. What do you think? And, and you and I will have our glorified bodies. Yes. Second Corinthians 
chapter 5, from verse 1 to 10. That's why for a walk by faith, not by sight, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. When we read first, Second Corinthians 5, from 1 to maybe 6, 7, it talks about how our bodies, we, we, deep down, our spirits, we are groaning for our glorified bodies. Because incorruption would cease and corruption would take over. Sorry. Corruption will, be, will cease and incorruption will take over. The, the, when we, 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 our bodies are sown corruptible, but raised incorruptible. 1 Corinthians 15. Our bodies are sown in dishonor, but raised in honor. Sown in, in, in weakness, but raised in power. Oh, hallelujah. Our glorified body space, space and time. You see, when you go up in the, in the skies, your body can implode. You, 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 be, you, you know, you might, some places you explode, some places you would shrink to zero because of the force. But your glorified body, you go. Can't you see Jesus went all the way to heaven? He went up with his glorified body. Through the atmosphere. Even spaceships, when they are coming down, the rocket, they, they, when they are coming down, there is almost fire because you are entering into the atmosphere, but you are able to go up easily. You'll be able to just go up. The glorified body can't die. But, oh yes, who want it? When you read, later on, read 2 Corinthians 5, it talks about how we are groaning for it and then other verses. Then, the work of the Holy Spirit in the new birth. The Holy Spirit is the new birth, the agent of the new birth. In fact, maybe I'm almost done. Okay. The agent of the new birth. He convicts us. Look at John 16, 7 to 11. The Holy Spirit convicts us. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is advantageous that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper or the comforter, or the paraclete will not come to meet you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So, so the Holy Spirit will convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Maybe Easter, I'll leave some of the stuff to Easter because sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now, the law, even though the law is good, the law is what gives sin strength to kill us. <laughs> That's all in Romans. That, that, that makes sense. The law. Because the law was able to show that you are guilty and you need to be punished. But without the law, we would not have known what sin was. So even though the law is good, the law gives sin strength to punish us. Let me just, <laughs> I'll just read it and then <laughs> there are so many verses. Hallelujah. Look at Romans 7, 7 to 16. I'll state it, we'll talk about it later on, just so that you see it. What then shall we say? That the law is sin by no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I, now, I, for I would not have known what it is to covet 
if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment produced in me all, if I let's use NLT so that I don't have to explain it. Let's look at Romans 7, 7 to 6, and I'll state it, and then we'll just finish off. We'll talk about it another time. Well, then, I am suggesting that the law of God is evil. If I, let's look at verse 5. Let's see what he's talking about. When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us, and the law aroused these evil desires. If I, let's start from verse 1. There's a lot in it, this our church. Hallelujah. I wanted to talk about the reasons those who don't know, who have never heard the gospel. But let's now, dear brothers and sisters, you know, you who are familiar with the law, don't you know that the law applies only to a person who is still living? Let me illustrate when a woman marries and the law, the, the law binds her to her husband as long as he is alive. But if he dies, the law of marriage no longer applies to her. So while her husband is alive, she would be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law and does not commit adultery when she remarries. Now verse 4. So this is the point. The law no longer holds you in its power because you died to its power when you died with Christ on the cross. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, you can produce good fruit that is good deeds for God. Christians who are not producing good deeds. When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us. And the law, the law aroused these evil desires that produced sinful deeds resulting in death. But now we have been released from the law, for we died with Christ and we are no longer captive to its power. Now we can really serve God not in the old way by obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way by the Spirit. Some people, okay. Well then, am I suggesting that the law of God is evil? Of course not. The law is not sinful, but it was the law that showed me my sin. I would never have known that converting is wrong if the law had not said do not convert. But sin took advantage of this law and aroused all kinds of forbidden desires within me. If there were no law, sin would have no power. Sorry, if there were no law, sin would not have that power. If there were no law, the law of Moses, the law of God, if that law was not there, then sin would not have that power to slay us. But there will be more time for that. Let's continue. I felt fine when I did not understand what the law demanded. But when I learned the truth, I realized I had broken the law and was a sinner doomed to die. So the good law, which was supposed to show me the way of life, instead gave me the death penalty. (laughs) Sin took advantage of the law and fooled me. It took the good law and used it to make me guilty of death. But still, the law itself is holy and right and good. But how can that be? Did the law which is good cause my doom? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation. 
Because we needed to be condemned so that Christ would save us. The law was a schoolmaster. So we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's good commandment for its own evil purposes. The law is good then. The trouble is not with the law, but with me. Because I am sold into slavery with sin as my master. I don't understand myself at all. For I really want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. I know perfectly well that what I am doing is wrong. And my bad conscience shows that I agree that the law is good. The fact that I have a conscience shows that I know the law is good. But I can't help myself because it is sin inside me that makes me do these evil things. That's in the flesh. It explains it. I know I am rotten through and through so far as my sinful nature is concerned. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. But he's talking about the flesh. He explained that later on. When I want to do good, I don't. And when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. But if I am doing what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing it. it, it the sin within me is doing it. It seems to be a fact of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another law at work within me that is at war with my mind. This law wins the fight and makes me a slave to sin. That is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin? But King James explains that it is the law. That's why you have to read the versions in context. It's, it's the flesh. But let's continue. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Yeah, continue. So now there is no condemnation. Now. So this is the, the flesh, the unregenerated. But now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. For the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you through Christ Jesus from the power of sin that leads to death. So now that you are in Christ, the power the, um, the Holy Spirit, the works of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. But Romans from chapter 6, 7, and 8 goes into detail. That is a blessing. Hallelujah. Okay. Now we'll try to conclude next week. Let me take 10 minutes to answer a question. Unless you guys don't want to know. It's important to know. Do you want to know what happens to those who have never heard the gospel before? Do you really want to know? You want to know? Romans chapter 1 verse 18 to 20 and then Romans chapter 2 verse 9 to 16 has the answer. The rest is just 
verses to establish that point. But it's all here. You can keep it in the NLT. Romans 1, 18 to 20. For the wrath that God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who push the truth away from themselves. For the truth about God is known to them instinctively. God has put this knowledge in their hearts. In fact, let's, let's start from verse, so that we know who he's talking about. Let's start from verse 16. It's important to have the context. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the good news of, about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, Jews first and also Gentiles. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people. Look at it in King James. Verse 18. Verse 18. Okay. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now go back to NLT, verse 19. Are we getting me so far? For the truth about God is known to them instinctively. God has put this knowledge in their hearts. From the time the world was created, People have seen the earth and sky and all that God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse whatsoever for not knowing God. To continue, uh, uh, now Romans 2, 9. Did you get that? But Romans 2, 9 goes into more details. There will be trouble and calamity. We're going to, from 9 to 16. For everyone who keeps on sinning, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. This is critical now. But there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. God will punish the Gentiles or those who don't know Jesus, when they sin, even though they have, even though they never had God's written law, and he will punish the Jews when they sin, for they do have the law. I'll explain that later on. For it is not merely knowing the law that brings God's approval. Those who obey the law will be declared right in God's sight. <clears throat> even when the Gentiles who do not have God's written law, instinctively follow what the law says. They show that in their hearts, they know right from wrong. Even if you don't know God, you and I know right from wrong. Whether, even if you, you've never heard the name Jesus before, you've never gone to school, you've never heard that there's a judge, we all know that you can't murder, you know that you can't convert, we all know. They demonstrate that God's law is written within them, in their hearts. For their own conscience either accuses them or tells them they are doing what is right. 
The day will surely come when God by Jesus Christ will judge everyone's secret life. This is my message. Now let me just explain this. <clears throat> the Bible says that whether or not we are Christians, we are not Christians. Everyone will be judged by the law, concerning the law. Now, the Jewish people or those who know the law, like the Jewish people, they will be judged by the law. And the Bible makes it clear that no one can fulfill the law. So they will not be able to fulfill it, but they will be judged by it. Those who have not received the law will also be judged by the law that is their conscience. So it means that God will not break his word for anyone. All mankind has God's written law in their hearts. So anyone who does not obey it is condemned. Now, the unbeliever knows right from wrong. And the right the unbeliever knows to do, they will not be able to do it and will be condemned. The one who has the law, they know the law, they will not be able to fulfill it, but they will be condemned. There is a law that has been written that for people to see, and there is also a law that has been written in the hearts of people, which is called the conscience. So there is no excuse. Now, chapter 1 also explained that no one can also say there is no God. Because in deep in people's hearts, they know that there is God. Even the world, the stars, the earth, shows there is God. All this evolution, this junk, all this evolution is not going to be an excuse. Because deep down in everyone's heart, you know that you are not from an amoeba. You know that you are not, you are not a fish. Deep down in our hearts, we know. <laughs> Deep down, and the Bible says, you see, deep down in our hearts, you see, many textbooks just write, and there was a Cambrian explosion. But there was what we call Cambrian explosion. Now, what is the Cambrian explosion? In geology, we have the, the dinosaur age, we have the pre-Cambrian, and we have the Cambrian era. Now, the Cambrian era is all in geology, it's real. The Cambrian era was a time where every single complex form of life appeared at once. So that family tree of Darwin puts his, his trash. Because the family tree says that one brought one uh, 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 cell organism. Millions of years, it became two or three. Millions of years, it became four. So there's a family tree from one spreading out. But the tr I mean, no, one, no one denies the Cambrian era. Because there were many phyla and fossils that are overwhelming in China and in different places. There's, there's, it's no, no one will even dare to say there's nothing like the Cambrian. Otherwise, they'll just brush them off. How many I get, <laughs> I mean, I get to understand? And this is what Darwin is saying. But the Cambrian era, it, it, it is certain that just about one cell, ten cell, thousand cell, billion cell, all complex, just about all complex forms of life appeared at once in the Cambrian era. And then trees and all those things came. In the Cambrian era, when you read geology, what does the Bible say? God created everything. The animals, all these things in one day. And a man. Geology explains that. So when we say there was a Cambrian explosion, an explosion 
doesn't mean a bomb. The Cambrian explosion was the, uh, during the Cambrian era, you know, a single day, all complex forms of life exploded or just came to being. So the explosion means they just appeared. So no one will be able to say, oh, but Darwin, I read about Darwin, it will not be an excuse. Because when you see the stars, when you see heaven, you realize that when you hear about the cells, man's cell, it's too complex that it couldn't have just happened. Boom! Chaos. How can chaos become, you're a math guy, chaos, something chaos. Then all of a sudden it becomes uh, 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 what do you call it? Uh, something from chaos becomes stable or organized. Even intelligent design. You yourself, do you, know, do you think anything can travel faster than the speed of light, according to science? No. But they say the Big Bang, for the Big Bang to have occurred, it had to have traveled faster than the speed of light, the explosion. That was the first time in history that something traveled faster than the speed of light, and after that, the speed of light holds. Then a donkey became a cat, and it became a mouse, and became a dollar bill. We'll talk about that later on. This is just a side on. Now, it means that you and I, all unbelievers, are not excused from the law. I'm not excused from the law. You are not excused from the law. Now, some people, I'm sure there are some people who, are, just take your time, you wait, you, you explain it. Those what I'm sure, some of us are like, what's, come on. I'm not excused from the law. You are not excused from the law. None of us are excused from the law. So, the unbeliever cannot fulfill the law. The Jew cannot fulfill the law. The Christian cannot fulfill the law. Out. But the law is required. The Bible says, we'll talk about it in history, the soul that sins must die. Let me just give you some verses. Ezekiel 18.20, the soul that sins must die. Then the Bible says in Deuteronomy 19.21, show no pity, life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. So a life can be given in exchange for another life. Does that make sense? The soul, all has sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. So anyone who sins must die. Physical and eternal. Are you getting me? Now, God said that I don't want man to perish. So, the, a life can be given in exchange for another life. Then Leviticus 17.11 says that the, the, the life of the flesh is in the blood. And he has given the blood to make atonement for sin. Does that make sense? Because God had to find a way to appease. And blood, that's what, the, the lifeline of a person is in his blood. And the blood he has given to make atonement for sin. Very good. And Hebrews 9.22 says, For almost all things are by the law purged from sin. But without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Are you getting me so far? Now, Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law. And took his own blood 
sprinkled it. We'll talk about the mercy seat later. Easter. And sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat in heaven. His physical, his own blood, he went to heaven and sprinkled it after his resurrection. Now, anyone who believes in Jesus Christ is righteous. The Bible says Jesus Christ fulfilled all the requirements of the law so that anyone who believes in him has fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law. So anyone who believes in Jesus Christ is now made righteous because when God sees the person, God sees the blood of Jesus and God sees that Jesus fulfilled every law. That's why he came to fulfill the law so that you and I would have fulfilled the law. So when the unbeliever and the Christian comes, God says, Christian, you are guilty. Unbeliever, you are guilty. Jesus will say, my blood covered them. Okay, thank you. Ticket to heaven. What is the ticket for the unbeliever? God cannot break his rule for an unbeliever. What is the ticket for the unbeliever? There is no ticket. There is no ticket. But for heaven, for, for the Christian, there is a ticket. The ticket is Jesus Christ. The ticket is the blood of Jesus. Yes, the Christian is not perfect, but he has free access to heaven because of the blood of Jesus. He sprinkled it. Later on, we'll talk about what the high priest had to do. Every year, the high priest had to sprinkle his own uh, uh, blood of bo a bowl for his own sin and his family's sin and the blood of a goat for the sins of the people and a scapegoat to take away the sins. We'll talk about that hopefully in Easter, or during the Easter time. Took, took away the sins. And it was done once a year, the day of atonement. Yom Kippur. Once a year. And this was to cover the sins of the people. When Jesus Christ came as the lamb who willingly went to the sacrifice, he did it once. The high priest did it every year. Jesus did it once. He had to do it. We'll talk about it. The order of Melchizedek. He did it once for all. One time. So now when God sees the Christian and the unbeliever, everyone is guilty. But the only difference is that the Christian has Jesus and his blood and his righteousness, and they have a free ticket to heaven. The unbeliever has nothing and cannot go to heaven. They are not born again. That's why evangelism is important. That's why God has a special place in his heart for people who win souls. Because if you don't win souls, how do they know? Now someone will say, then what happens to all the million people out there who don't know Jesus? Why would God send them to hell? Maybe next time I'll talk about why would a loving God send people to hell. That one I'll talk about that also. What happens to all the millions of people? What happens to them? Now think about it. If every Christian were to win souls, if every Christian were to help with evangelism, if every Christian were to do their part, there will be very few people to go to hell. All through the ages. That's why Jesus said, go into all the world and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to every creature. Every creature must hear it. Because if they don't hear it, they will perish. Because that rule will not change for a Christian. It's not going to change. Christ couldn't have died for nothing. There are, there's only one way. There are not many ways. So, that, that, that many have to hear the gospel. Because if they don't hear it, they will not be saved. And they will not have that substitution. They will not have it. But when we tell people, think about it, if every Christian were to spread the gospel, if every Christian were to just tell people in their communities, you don't need to go have crusades, in their communities out there, just tell people, Jesus loves you. Everyone were to do it. Everyone were to obey the Great Commission. That question will not be asked. What happens to those who have not given their lives to Christ? It cannot be asked. 
because there'll be few of them. That's why those watching, those around, please be careful as you criticize people giving, doing crusades or winning the lost. Because God can easily be angry with you. Easily be angry with you. Hallelujah. Easily be angry with you. Because the Bible says in Peter that God is not slack concerning his promises as some count slackness. But he is long-suffering and does not want any to perish. But he wants all to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He is not slack concerning the promise that he is going to return. But he is long-suffering. He is patient. He is waiting. He is waiting. He is waiting. He is looking forward to more people coming to Jesus Christ. Because that, that statement, Jesus, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can go to heaven except through me. That is guaranteed. That is guaranteed. Hallelujah. That is why we must tell people about Jesus. Because if we don't, then that question will make sense. But it will not benefit anyone. It, it will not going to change it. They still need Jesus. Because God's laws are set. How can God change? I mean, it's not just he, he changes his mind. How can he say that, okay, uh, let's make an exception. He can't make an exception. That's why we must go. That's why he said go. That's why Second Corinthians chapter 5, it talks about the ministry of reconciliation. Look at, let me finish with this. Uh, pass that time, let me finish. Second, Second Corinthians chapter 5, let's start from verse 10. Talking about the ministry, keep it in NLT, of reconciliation. Because the souls, people are perishing and God, every soul, every single soul, Jesus would have died for. So Jesus loves every soul more than the world. So it hurts and grieves God when someone goes to hell. But he set his rule. For we must all appear before. Okay, continue. It is because we know this solemn fear of the Lord that we work so hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we trying to pat ourselves on the back again? No. We are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag. Okay, next verse. Next verse. Continue. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live to please themselves. Instead, they will live to please Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating. Ah, continue. The ministry of reconciliation, where is it? Okay, verse 18. Maybe it's from verse 18. Okay. All this newness of life is from God who brought us back to himself through what Christ did. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. 
Continue. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. This is the wonderful message he has given to us to tell others. That, look, God is not counting your sins against you. Come to him so that you don't go to hell. Continue. Almost done. We are Christ's ambassadors, and God is using us to speak to you. We urge you as though Christ himself were pleading with you. Be reconciled to God. Christ is pleading. Think about it. Christ is pleading through us. Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Next verse. Be reconciled to God. For God hath, God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That is why those who have never heard the gospel before will go to hell. Because you and I cannot, there's no, the Bible says there is none righteous. There's no one who can fulfill the law. And if you don't fulfill the law, you go to hell. There is none righteous. Not even one. Heaven will not accept unrighteous people. We need to be born again. We need to enter into the new kingdom. Flesh and blood cannot go to heaven. We must be born again. We must be born again. That's why I've obeyed this command that the Lord has said that I will do crusades, I will go and do it. It's a command. By the grace of God, it's only in the casket that I'll stop. Yeah. Because God has given us what do you think? The ministry to reconcile the world to himself. So you and I must do it. You and I must do it. We must pray. We must tell people about Jesus so that people will not go to hell. Even when I'm 90, I'll, I'll win souls by the grace of God. Yeah. I'm not aware. I'm just at a time. Shall we stand to our feet? To reconcile the world to himself. Oh, Jesus, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. Let's speak to the Lord. Ask him to save us. Lord Jesus. Ask him to save the lost. Ask him to give us the grace to reconcile the world to him. To show people that there is good news. That there is good news. There are good tidings, good news. The gospel means good news. Let people know that there is good news. That God is not counting my sins and your sins against you. He's not counting it against us. He wants to save us. He wants to save us. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. A, 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 a small sacrifice to show our gratitude to God for what he has done for us is to tell people about Jesus. The gratitude, if we, are, we want to say thanks to God, let's say thanks to God by winning souls by telling someone that Jesus loves them and died for them. 
What do you think? Yes. Father God, we bless your name. If you are watching, or you are here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you know in your heart that you are not born again, if you know in your heart that you are not saved, but you want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, you want Jesus Christ to save you, then raise your hands and let's pray. Father God, we bless you. Shall we repeat after me? Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that his blood was shed for my sins. I believe that God raised him from the dead. Lord Jesus, please come into my heart. Please come into my life. Forgive me for all my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. From today, I belong to Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you if you've given your life to Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage us here, and I want to encourage us watching that many of the people from other religions are hungry for Jesus, but don't know it. When you tell, one of my bosses told me that, look, Many of the people from where she comes from, they don't know about Jesus. But many of them, when they find out, they give their lives to Jesus Christ. But many of them don't know. I want to encourage you. You'll be surprised who wants Jesus, but cannot find him. I want to encourage us to do something to win the loss for Jesus. Shall we take our seats? Amen. It's time for us to partake of the communion. The communion represents the body and the blood of Jesus. Shall we all stand to our feet? The body of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The body and the blood of Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, yes. The Bible says, For I have received of the Lord that which also he had delivered unto me, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body which is broken for you. This do we in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood for the remission of your sins. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. The Bible says in 
Isaiah 54, verse 4, 5, 6. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. For he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. For all we are sheep have gone astray. Each man hath gone his own way. But the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. The body of Jesus was broken for us. The blood of Jesus was shed for our sins. Father God, we give thanks and we bless the body of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ our Lord. We give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. On a hill far away stood an old ragged cross the emblem of suffering 